On today's episode, we're going to be discussing a, a new series I titled Flourishing God's Way. There's our way of doing things, and there's God's way of doing things on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And I'm so glad to be with you today, and we are uh, starting up, embarking on a, on a series that I, I kind of, um, I, I did this in the spring at our church, and I felt like it would be a great podcast to do, um, in smaller segments, of course, and uh, because I did so much work on it, and I really prayed through it and really thought about it. But it's it's basically flourishing God's way. What does it mean when when we say that we're flourishing God's way? And in specific, we're going to be talking about what Jesus' beatitudes are not today, and 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 then what they are. And uh, as we as we look at this series, um, there's there are so many uh, maybe questions you may have as to what it really means, because unfortunately, the the attitude of people in the world as to what Christians are always tends to be negative, and you know Christians are hypocrites, they're unintelligent, they're foolish, they're prejudiced, they're there are bigots, there are all these things. And yet when you look at what Jesus requires his disciples to be, it is none of that. And I guarantee you that there are many, many Christians in the world who don't act that act the way that they're accused of acting. Um, but so let me just say this today that when you flourish God's way, it's so different than when you try to do it your way. Because have you ever noticed your way and my way? in our own strength, and our own wisdom and cunning and energy, do not work. But God's way works because he, he, he made it to work. And a recent Gallup poll showed that one-third of, of adult Americans are familiar enough with the Sermon on the Mount, which is, which is where the Beatitudes are contained in, and they know it enough to identify Jesus as its source, but many Americans think that Billy Graham wrote it. I mean, that, that's a stat. We, we don't make this stuff up. And... So it shows how many people maybe don't know about what a beatitude is, but the beatitudes are part of the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus ascended up to a mountain and just just started teaching. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he gave all these incredible things about human nature and about uh, how it's the opposite. His principles are the opposite of of the way every culture usually are, and they emphasize eight marks. The beatitudes emphasize eight marks of Christian character in their dealings with God's people and the divine blessing that rests on those who, who live out these these uh, principles or these these character traits. And I, I want to be careful not to call them principles because it's not just something where you you know you buy a book of five rules and live it and then you're right. You know, you're you're okay with God. That's not what I'm saying today. But and that's why we're gonna we're gonna talk about what they're not today. But the Beatitudes are like an acid test that tell us whether whether someone is really following Christ or only profess to do so. And we find that there is great blessing attached to doing things God's way versus doing them my way. When I do them my way, I usually have to you know, live the consequences of what I did. When I, when I do it God's way, I flourish. And, and we're going to talk about what flourishing means in a second, but um, let, me just, let me just put it this way. Um, flourishing is this uh, today. Flourishing is, there, there are two words that describe what it means to flourish from doing things God's way. One is makairos, which means happiness. And makairos means beatus. And you've seen some 
that used in some of the the uh, the religious language of you know the past few centuries, which means it means happy, it means blissful, it means fortunate. Right, this is flourishing, but it also another word is also used, which is, uh, and by the way, uh, makairos is used uh, thirteen times in the Greek in Matthew, but the other word is wholeness or teleos, and wholeness and and just a pun, you know, holiness and wholeness are really the same the same thing in my mind, in the sense of that if you're really holy, you're whole in your heart. In other words. Salvation is 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 holistic in the sense that body, soul, and spirit and mindset. Uh, holiness is not just rules, but it's a wholeness that comes to the heart. And wholeness, this wholeness though, comes from being in God, from being in Christ. And there's a strong, and, and let me just say this. Let me put myself up here so we won't lose I me. Mean, there's a strong a connection between holiness and wholeness in the scriptures, and you, and that's why you will be holy when you're whole. And and so many people trying to be Christian think, well, it's got to you know, I have all these rules and I just got to behave. It has nothing to do with it. Either you're whole or you're not. When you're whole, you'll live right. You'll be healthy spiritually when you're whole. And this kind of flourishing will will keep our lives from from becoming superficial versus just being religious. And this is why when we talk about flourishing, when we talk about blessed are those, it means you're whole. It means you're, you're you're prospering. You're blessed by God, and we also find that you know this question today. What what are the beatitudes? What are they? What what is the beatitude? First, the and I'll be doing this throughout this series. But first, I want to talk to you about what beatitudes are not, because sometimes when you know something in the negative, what it is negatively, it helps you to understand what it is positively. So, what are the beatitudes? Well, first, let's let's ask this question. After we ask what what are the beatitudes, we're going to ask what they are not, and what they are not is is a lot of things. But one of them is is the idea that um, uh, good morals, right? In, in the world, we have good morals. You simply apply it to your life, and you'll be a happy person. I know plenty of good people, nice people who don't know God, they don't serve God, and and I love them, and you know they're great people. They're even nicer than some Christians I know. But good morals doesn't mean that I'm blessed by God. Good morals does not mean that that I'm going to experience makairos, right? Or telios. And you can combine them uh, good morals with any religion or modern idea to be a better person. And the world is full of good people, right? And there are those who who have better morals than some Christians that and that doesn't make them a follower of Christ, right? So it's also not this. The beatitudes are not this. Keys to success. When I was doing this series, I purchased about 10 books. I maybe I might have had two of them already, but I purchased 10 of them just to really see what people have said through the centuries and and recently about the, the, uh, the Beatitudes. And a very famous book is by Emmett Fox and on the Sermon on the Mount. And when I saw it, I said, it sounds exciting and you know, motivational and encouraging and all this. And that's exactly what it is, or what it was. But he saw the Sermon on the Mount as nothing but principles of success, and the Bible is really a textbook of metaphysics. This is this is how he framed it. In other words, it's just a fancy 
a fancy word for it's beyond science, you know, and it's exciting. And, you know, if you can get, you can tap into that metaphysical part of, of, of the Bible, then then you'll be a good person. And, and the Sermon on the Mount, where the Beatitudes are found, has often been sliced and diced and stripped down from its original meaning and purpose. It has then been refitted to accommodate things like personal vision statements, keys to personal success and good ethics to live by, political ideals and and superficial Christianity. But when you really read them with an open heart and prayerfully to God, they are none of these things. And they have everything to do with God transforming your heart to becoming like Him. So here's, here's the next thing they are not. They are not the answer to social justice. And I say that because we have so many protests going on today, and hey, I'm all for a good protest. If it's a worthy cause, we should, we should, you know, voice our opinions, and that is one of the blessings of having a democracy. But we find that the social gospel, which is the idea that if I focus on the part of the Bible that says blessed is the poor, and I help the poor, and I do all these things for the poor, then I'm a Christian. And that has nothing to do with Christianity either. Some people are great social justice people, but they don't know God. And and the this is why the Beatitudes kind of separates the sheep from the goats, because anybody can do social justice and do it well and not know God. And it doesn't mean that I know God. But it also isn't this, a practical guide for the good life. Now, Leo, Leo uh, Tolstoy, and let me just get this out so I can... Uh, Leo Tolstoy, the famous author of War and Peace... He wrote another book uh, called Anna Karina, um, and I, I, I don't know if, if I pronounced it correctly, but one of the characters he writes about is, uh, in one of his novels, had reread the Gospel of Matthew, and, and he saw simple, clear, practical commandments which, if obeyed, and this was quite feasible, would establish a completely new order of human society, and, and the kingdom of heaven on earth, he said, would be attained. And so, and that sounds wonderful if, if you look at Jesus' words as just a textbook on how to, you know, do a, a community of people. But it's not, this is not what the Beatitudes are. And, and there's a danger, right? There's a danger in, in, a, there's a danger in finding the Bible or the principle, rather, without the person. And this is what, what is happening a lot today where we are um, we are we have a lot of uh, help helpful how-to books and and books on how to um, we have we have all these books on how to um, you know be successful how to do all these great things and how to how to how to and that's great to a point but if I don't know God in the process what's the point and this is what I'm saying there's a danger of having principles without the person. And the danger in finding the principle without the person, Jesus meaning, is that there is no spiritual life or power in it. You can't expect to live Christ's code without Christ living in you. That's the point. Uh, You can't divorce the principle from the person who is Jesus. So the scriptures are not a textbook or rule book for success. They are a living testimony of God. They have the power to transform us down to our roots if we truly surrender to God. That's why when we read the scriptures, we read them prayerfully and reverently with an open heart that says, God, change me and change and change everything about me that, is, that isn't correct. So, this brings us to the next question. What are the Beatitudes? 
The Beatitudes are simply this. They are a manifesto. Specifically, they are Jesus' manifesto. And a manifesto is a written declaration publicly, uh, declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of its user. It could be a leader, it could be a missionary, it could be a politician. And Jesus taught that his followers are to be so different from the world that through their distinctiveness, not their similarity, they would attract the world. And too often, you know, we want to be like the world to attract it. That doesn't really work. That only works to a point because once you present the cross and once you present discipleship and say, you have to, you have to walk away from your, the life you love, from your life of sin, you got to give up yourself. That's where the rub happens. And so that's why he wrote this, this manifesto because this manifesto tells us of what his intentions are, that he's not hiding the price tags. He's not, he's not trying to trick us. And we also find this, that Jesus' manifesto declares a profound reversal of things. What do I mean by that? The Beatitudes, said Fred, Frederick Buchner, are lists of human lasts who at the touch of heaven become divine firsts. And that's why Jesus said, the last shall become first, the first shall become last. In other words, the people who are ahead now in the world, who are first, will be last. And the last, and the last that are here on the earth will be first. And so, so the poor in the spirit, right, they own the kingdom. And those who mourn shall be comforted, and the meek inherit the earth. These, these are the ones who finish first, even though they started last. So here's my point. Jesus' manifesto also says this, that it demands a revolutionary way of thinking. And the Sermon on the Mount demands a complete change of the way a person thinks. And hence we have the word repentance, which is not just getting on your knees and saying, forgive me for my sins, Lord. But it's the word metanoia, which is a complete change of mind and opinion about my sins. I don't just want to stop them, but I hate them. And I have a different attitude and disposition towards that sin anymore. And we find that Jesus' manifesto redefines righteousness. That's why it's so radical. It's a new way of obeying based on relationship, not rules. The law cannot save me. Uh, the law, the best that the law can do is put police tape around my, crime, around my crime scene and say, hey, you blew it, you did wrong, you've done something evil. But it can't save me, it can't help me, it can't change me. But Jesus' manifesto is that we attain righteousness by being in Him. We, we attain righteousness by being in Him, and, and that's how we change, that He lives His life through us. And it's not by obeying the Ten Commandments, even though we do obey the Ten Commandments today, but we do it indirectly by being in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you're not going to rob your neighbor, you're not going to serve other idols, you're not going to commit adultery. Why? Because... You are in Christ. And so righteousness comes from another place now. It doesn't come from my actions of just trying to behave, but it comes from being in Christ. And we find that that Jesus and Moses are kind of parallels in the Scriptures. Jesus ascends a mountain to deliver God's new covenant, right? Just the way Moses ascended the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the law of Moses, you know, the law of God. And that's why Deuteronomy um, one, uh, Deuteronomy uh, eighteen fifteen puts it this way: the the Lord your God will raise up 
for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall take, you shall heed such a prophet. And Moses was 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 prophesying about Jesus, about Christ's coming. And so I'm gonna challenge you today with, with this with this thought. When you when you follow God, when you when you seek to obey God, what happens in your life? What do you just do it mechanically? Do, do you do it because of of let's say Catholic guilt or Protestant guilt or or because you hear your mother's voice in your head? Or do you do it right because Christ is in you, transforming you, that you're beginning to embody these beatitudes? And we're going to get into them in the next couple of weeks. But, but so check out our website, soul02.com. Check out our, 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 we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. And please leave us a like and subscribe if you haven't subscribed. And uh, really enjoy doing these. And I hope you're getting something out of it. And leave a comment, you know, um, discuss it, <laughs> you think. You know, what do you think the Beatitudes are in your life? And how do you how do you live them out? Do you try to live them out? Are you aware that Jesus wants you to live them out because you're part of his kingdom now? So until next time, uh it's so so good to be with you. Uh and and uh and and keep praying for us. We keep praying for you. We pray for everybody no matter who they are or what they say. We we love them. God bless you.